Keys to the Commonwealth, a podcast where we share the real stories of local community members who are using real estate to build personal wealth, along with tips and tricks from professionals across the industry. And now, your host, Landry Fields. Welcome, everyone, to the Keys to the Commonwealth podcast. As an insurance advisor, I work with real estate investors and professionals every day, and I'm very excited for today's guest. Uh, we are going to take a little bit of a different topic uh, and tackle that. That is inter- uh, of interest for sure of me, and I know others in the area. He is a part-time real estate investor. However, he acquired his real estate license in 2002 and was a full t- was full-time in the real estate uh, world until 2012 before switching his full-time focus uh, to the nonprofit sector nonprofit sector, if I could say that word, uh, where he currently is a development director with the Lexington Leadership Foundation, uh, which does some great work in the communities here in Lexington. So if you want to learn more about that, definitely check out Lexington Leadership Foundation. Born and raised right in Louisville, Kentucky, just down the road, he received his degree from the University of Kentucky and is married to his beautiful bride, Enid, for 22 years. And together they have three awesome kids, Megan, Emily, and Julia. I am pleased to welcome Damon Mazza today to the Keys of the Commonwealth Studio. Damon, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. I appreciate it. So as we kind of uh, do on every episode of the podcast here, you know, what um, got taught back in the door and, and kind of tell me how did you get into real estate? With? Obviously, you had a career in real estate for a little bit. I guess did you pull out and then kind of got back in. Could walk me a little through that. Yeah, so I'm a little old school. Um, Uh, My dad was in sales for a number of years, and I had just decided uh, that I wanted to kind of follow his footsteps a little bit. So when I was in college, I took kind of the long way uh, to graduate in college. Some people are called doctors with the number of years I went to. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I I remember as I was nearing the end of college, uh, real estate was an attractive thing to me, and I actually answered an ad in the paper for an internship with uh, Rector Hayden Realtors, which is a, at the time was the number one uh, real estate company in uh, Lexington. Okay. And so I went and interviewed, and I ended up working as an intern for three realtors named Candy, Cookie, and Kitty. <laughs> so, yeah, when I went home and I told uh, my wife, my, my new bride at the time, that that's uh, was my new career choice. There was some interesting conversations after that. But uh, shortly after that internship, uh, I got my real estate license. I guess it was around 02, uh, 2002 or so. Okay. And um, then worked full-time in real estate for about 10 years um, before, uh, as you said earlier, switching to the nonprofit sector. Yeah. Uh, so what, as far as the transition... Um Owning short-term rental properties mm-hmm. and stuff like that, obviously, that's vastly different uh, than a lot of other aspects. A lot more to it in some respects, uh, but you have some unique opportunities that you kind of, um, I don't know if stumbled upon is the right word, but definitely followed some footpaths and some guidance uh, to get some rental properties there in the Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg areas, Yeah, uh, which are obviously... Very close. Most people here have definitely grown up if they grew up in the area going there or retreating there to a cabin. So talk to me about that as far as the opportunities that you uh, were able to get into there. Yeah, I'll back up just real quick. Um, my wife and I bought our first rental property on UK's campus yeah. uh, in 2005, I guess. Okay. And it was a uh, just great cash flowing property, all students, that kind of thing. And um, that kind of gave us a, a preview of what uh, owning property might look like and just kind of stuck it in there uh, for a while just with a single unit uh, before kind of planning to do stuff uh, more long term and 
With that, um, probably about three years ago, uh, we had an opportunity to go to uh, Pigeon Forge, stayed with some friends at their cabin uh, they had owned, and they were doing uh, this short-term rental market, and it kind of opened our eyes to what that might look like uh, for us. And so we crunched the numbers with them, uh, looked at what it uh, might look like for us, and kind of started that path. And we start off by... Uh, buying a unit in a development in Pigeon Forge. If people are familiar, about 10 minutes from the, the strip down there, uh, the outlet malls and right. you know, crazy restaurants and stuff. So uh, that was our first entry into it. Um, and now uh, about six months later, we bought a second one, um, actually built that one. So mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we'll definitely explore that more for sure. Because uh, obviously the unique thing, in some ways, Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg was kind of the, the OG of, you know, Airbnb and that kind of a scenario. I mean, it was always there growing up. Though you didn't have the idea of an Airbnb using the Airbnb platform or Verbo platform, but obviously there was rental companies, and that was definitely a big thing and baked into the market already to begin with. That right there. So, you know, um, it, it's definitely, and you can speak to this here. I, it seems like uh, I think I saw a thing where it's the, the market there. Um, yes, the prices have kind of risen for sure, but the the amount of visitors still continues to grow year in year out. There, it seems like, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so, you know, like I said, two and a half years ago, we bought, um, and really the market kind of took off. It was right before COVID, mm -hmm. and um, you know, we, when COVID hit, we weren't sure what the rental market would look like there, where people were going to keep coming to uh, the cabins. We had about a month or two where there was uh, all the bookings had kind of canceled, but what we found was people were willing to do the short-term stuff. Airbnbs yeah. that were very popular, I think, at the time, and especially these cabins. People were wanting to get away, and and but weren't necessarily wanting to spend time in a hotel room, right. perhaps. Right. So our cabins rented really, really well uh, during the the kind of the heart of the pandemic over the last two years. Uh, they've they've done really well at um, keeping keeping rents high and keeping keeping them full. Uh, your first property, mm -hmm. uh, back to that real quick, uh, you know, how did you, you land that deal, finance that deal? What was kind of the story behind that and getting that originally? Do yeah. You, and do you uh, still have that property? Yeah, we still have it. Uh, it uh, it's been great. Um, interesting story. We, we uh, like I said, we kind of ran the numbers, knew it was uh, something for us. Um, the way that we were going to be able to finance this was um, through an equity loan on our house, and that... Um, nest egg became our down payment for that that unit um, we went down and like the market here is in lexington things don't last there's you know yeah. what 10 buyers for every house and uh so it was kind of like that with the cabins down there so um we would do our, our search on uh the different websites and they would always be gone before we could get there so even pre-COVID. Uh, even pre-COVID they were very hot uh commodities these these cabins so we found one uh, and we basically left town that day and we're calling realtors on the way down there to try to figure out somebody <laughs> that could show us uh, this cabin. And uh, so we got there, uh, liked it, everything made sense, and uh, we, uh, we wrote the offer in the, in the cabin itself uh, that we had, we had scheduled to see three different properties, but the, the cabin made sense. And we wrote the offer and had a deal done before we left the cabin. So it was all done within an hour of oh, wow. seeing it. And, uh, you know, 
We wrote Back a check for the there was, deposit. Yeah. So now, obviously, post COVID, that has gotten even worse because uh, yes. I tried to dip my toe into it personally a little bit, and that might still be an option. But I know it was in pretty much everything down there is for the point in a lot of ways right now, as far as existing cabins going for pretty much cash. And usually, there's I don't know how many offers on that. So a little bit different story back pre-COVID for sure. Absolutely. The the cabins are, they're even harder to get now. Uh, the values have increased. Um, our cabin that we bought in August of 2019 has mm-hmm. almost doubled in value. It's, it's a real blessing uh, on that side of, at least on paper, uh, it's, it's a real blessing. And so uh, the rents have, have stayed well. And um, I guess for our second cabin, it was a totally different situation. And um, we actually built that cabin. And so in, I guess it was December of 2020, uh, not long ago, um, we, had, we had found the builder who uh, actually built our first cabin. We didn't buy it from him. We bought it um, through a, another party. Okay. Uh, but we liked the construction of it. Everything um, really checked out. So we contacted him, and he had some lots that were available in the same development that uh, we had our first one. Uh, so uh, we wrote a contract with him, uh, entered that contract, and uh, it was great because uh, this builder it was very experienced. He'd built, uh, I don't know, something like 150 cabins in the area. So he, he knew the market really well, and yeah. he actually carried the financing for us. So we uh, Is that unique to him, or is that I, how some of them... A yes. lot of them work down there. Um, the I builders. think because of the numbers that you're talking about, um, it is unique. Um, but he uh, didn't have a whole lot of desire to work with banks and do draws and, and have other people control his money. So he was able to uh, finance it yeah. on his own and, and carry all that. The, the kind of the downside about that is you don't have a whole lot of leverage. Uh, so, you know, uh, when you when a bank gives you draws and everything, then you yeah. can control a little bit more because they want their money. And yeah. uh, so the, the leverage side, so it took a little longer to get it done. Um, some of that was weather and supply chain kind of yeah. hit yeah. Uh, that market as well. To but, the supply chain side of things, I mean, is are normally when you're entering those contracts for, because I definitely see them popping up down there as far as uh, new build cabins, you got to wait obviously for it to be built. But I mean, is it typically an agreed upon price for the most part that stays that way even with yeah, you know the changes? And it stuff? did with us. Okay. And um, again, I, I think there were probably some, there's some other experienced people that would be good to consult on that. But for us, our builder was, say, true. We had some uh, increases in uh, materials that were needed. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's it's in the mountains, so the <laughs> lot is steep. And uh, yeah. there was – it took almost three months just to do the foundation. Uh, and yeah. We're on the radio here, but the, the angle is probably a 35% uh, angle. Yeah, some of so those. It was, it, the, pitch, <laughs> the pitch on it, it was pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it, it is really incredible to see how, where they build these things and how, you yeah. know, you, how, how much, uh, when you speak to a foundation, I mean, we're talking about a foundation that's a lot of times can be like multiple stories tall yeah. just to get to the level foundation to start building the cabin. Yeah. It's about three from the, from the base of the foundation to the, the ground level. It's about three stories up. Yeah. So it, uh, just to get to the first level. I kind of even want to, I kind of want, I don't even know how that's possible. Like I want to go and kind of watch and see even how that's done. In yeah. It, it's pretty incredible. Uh, supply chain stuff. We talk about that, but really labor was the, uh, the other mm. big shortage, uh, um, it's just a difficult yeah. time during COVID. Uh, our builder told us he was using about 20% of the labor force that he really needed. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was actually, he could build stuff faster, but he just yep. can't get the labor. 
Back to that first cabin was, uh, how'd you finance that one? Was it a vacation, uh, second home kind of uh, 10% thing or yeah, so, what, what, and was it local to financing done locally there in Tennessee or was it, you did you do that more or less here question. as far as the difference from investing out of state? Yeah, I would have preferred to work with a, a lender here uh, in Lexington. Um, had trouble finding somebody that would, that I could meet with in person and, and do that. So I found financing in, um, I think they're out of Knoxville, which is only about 45 minutes from the area. Yeah. Uh, but most of it was just, you know, done online yeah. and uh, done over the phone. Um, there was, it was definitely uh, a few more hoops to jump through um, because it was uh, the distance or our portfolio isn't really large. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we put down 20% um, worth of equity into the property. Okay. Um, and then got a conventional 30-year loan on the property after that. So it was as a as a, a second home property, as a second home uh, property, like a vacation home yeah. property. So pulling yeah. back 10% back out of that once you did, when you did that kind of thing, or no, we we left the money in, left there, in there. Um, and uh, I, I should say we did refinance um, about a year into it and pull some money out. So yeah, yeah um, definitely. Because obviously there in uh, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, Sevierville areas, the unique thing about buying cabins down there, and maybe you can talk to this, and it's kind of um, it, they're very different than a lot of other places because it really is a true vacation spot, you know, kind of like the a beach area or something like that. Is uh, that financing wise? Okay, here's the cabin, here's the price, uh, but you're also usually getting a turnkey for the most part cabin that's already fully furnished in a lot of respects. So. Uh, any, anything about that or yeah. kind of unique is about that and how does that work on a new build is is there I've seen sometimes maybe there's a, a, a certain per- amount of money that's a you know promised towards that or something like that you know yeah it's a little tricky on the um, fully furnished because as you all know uh, uh, lenders don't like to uh, count that as in the value of the home for right. appraisal and different things because um, it's it's not uh, uh, supposed to come with the the contract, but uh, ours did come uh, fully furnished. Our first one that we bought, and um, it, it wasn't a problem. Everything was in there, uh, no problem. Our second one that we actually built, uh, there are at least there are really two companies down in Pigeon Forge that do all the uh, the outfitting of these cabins. So you literally walk. Thus, they all look the exact same. They, they look the exact same, but. That's kind of what you want. Uh, you want to, from a marketing standpoint, you want to be able to present that idea of uh, that you're in the mountains. You're, you know, there's a bear walking down the street. All that good stuff. Uh, people want that experience, and they know the products to buy that um, last. You know, don't get torn up by renters, yeah. and uh, that are, are going to be durable fabrics. All that good stuff. So. Um, there's two companies down there that outfit it. You basically walk in and say, this is the square footage. These are the number of rooms. And uh, we spent an hour, I think, in the furniture store and had you know $60,000 worth of furniture uh, picked out. <laughs> this uh, for the new cabin? Yes, uh, for the new one. Yeah. And um, and they got it all. And they install it. They hang the pictures. They put all the... Oh, wow. They, I mean, we're talking everything from silverware to coffee pots to couches uh, really? okay. Pictures on the walls, every they did the the bedding, the yeah uh, quilts, that that kind of thing. That's Comforters. interesting. Yeah, they do it all. Because that's a that's a good point. Because in some in some senses, you know, short term rental. I mean, obviously that's what we're talking about here. Uh, but it definitely can vary on how you were to outfit it or or whatnot based upon the area. Meaning, obviously, uh, like a beach area or like Gatlinburg area. There's a there's a sense of like people. 
expect a certain thing. They don't expect it to necessarily be this super modern, unique place, have this unique right. draw to it. They just want to view and they kind of, the expectation is, you know, the bunk beds made out of like hewn logs practically or the bears or something like that versus, you know, an Airbnb that's like more of a city or it's not a true vacation place. Then you need to outfit that and make it more stand out more for sure type of thing. Right. And, and down there, there it's a lot of competition for the renter. So um, there are a ton of these cabins out there. And so you want to make it as um, universal as possible for anyone to be comfortable there. So if, if you have a view, that's great. But how close is it to the parkway to be able to get to shopping? How close is it to Gatlinder, Gatlinburg to be able to get to the Smokies? Yeah. Um, you know, these are all very modern. So uh, they they have the, that cabin feel, but... Um, yeah, one of our cabins has seven TVs in it. I mean, so it's like it's it kind of crazy. It's not something I would enjoy in right. my home, but for the experience that you're going for, just like if you're sure. going to a beach, you want to have all the beach gear, you know, that kind of thing. So you you want to be able to have be able to enjoy. It. And really, these oftentimes uh, the the typical renter for these cabins are a grandparent and uh, their kids, or two or three yeah. brothers and sisters and all their kids and um, so our two cabins have indoor pools in them, and uh, oh, okay. yeah, so they're yeah ten by eighteen or so. So they're not big, but they're fun to splash around and sure. that kind of stuff. So, and they definitely probably have a bit more draw. And what 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 I get to there is, I was definitely told when kind of looking at different options down there and so forth, uh, that you kind of need to. There's kind of like a checklist, and you need to have at least two or three of these checklists, which is more like you know view. Uh, hot tub or and or pool as as you noted there, um, or location type mm-hmm. of thing and and so forth. Um, and I forget the fourth one, but usually that's what you got to kind of have at least some of those boxes checked. Absolutely, yeah. So is location probably one of the biggest factors? That or view? I would assume. I put location at the top. Now, okay. when we were first investigating this, I would have thought you know you have to have that view of the autumn leaves right. and all that, and be up in the mountains and and. You know, no one else around. That that's what I would enjoy if I was there. But from the marketing standpoint, what our uh, management company was telling us, and what we were finding from other experienced um, short-term cabin rental folks, was that people want proximity. In Pigeon Forge, they want proximity to the the main drag there, the strip, the, yeah. the shopping, the restaurants, all that kind of stuff. So, our two cabins are in the same development, and uh, they're about a ten-minute drive. Okay. Uh, from the strip, so it's easy access uh, to that. But it's only about twenty minutes or so to the entrance of the Smokies, so sure. it's not too bad either. To that point, I guess. Uh, so you guys have, uh, don't self-manage the cabins, I assume. So you kind of working right. with the management company down there. You know, was that more just to be hands off to take you know responsibility off your plate, or talk to me about the ups- upsides, downsides, whatnot of that? Yeah. So I, I pretty much every one of these cabins are managed by. Um, an external person, and it is um, first of all, we're three and a half hours away from it, so we can't really do a ton of work. We need somebody uh, for the bedding and um, all the incidentals. Most of the companies that down there do all the marketing. Uh, they find you the renters. They find you uh, people to rent it. Uh, they have you know portals that you go into, and you can tell uh, who's renting it and when for how long, and at and there are variable rates, just like you would. Holidays are more expensive, sure. that type of thing. But finding a good rental company, and there are a ton of them out there, um, is 
probably the most crucial part of this investment because um, while they, they do well, uh, if you get a bad company that either doesn't take care of maintenance or doesn't take care of uh, problems, uh, then it can be a nightmare. Well, I mean, we just recently had a huge snowstorm down there not mm-hmm. too long ago, and I can can only imagine the chaos that that kind of uh, presented for you know the management companies. That if it just yeah. been self managed, you know, it's probably much harder in that scenario. Now, as far as that goes, I mean, typically, what are you looking at as far as an average uh, rate of commission, or you know, that you're kind of paying for management companies and so forth? Sure, um, I've seen it as low as fifteen percent uh, for a company. And I've seen as high as 30. Uh, We're kind of in the middle uh, there of of what we pay. Um, You can get a discount uh, by owning multiple uh, units. There there are some companies that will offer you a guaranteed uh, gross commission. Really? uh, Yeah. And it's it's a little bit, um, you know, (laughs) if you say it's too good to be true kind of thing. Yeah. um, Yeah. So I'd watch out for... um, any of those things that seem too good to be yeah. true. There's a lot of startup uh, management companies where uh, a couple of people will leave one place and are trying to attract clients. Sure. And so you need to worry about, um, you know, how are they going to take care of your investment? Maybe they know what they're doing, but do they have all the pieces in place to properly? Correct. And they might be able to do it for three months, uh, but, uh, you know, you don't want to lose income in the long run. So, yeah. What's one of the craziest things you've seen or happened or biggest challenges you didn't foresee, you know, as far as the, the rental cabins there? Yeah. Uh, so, again, ours both have indoor pools. And I've had a, a the, my learning curve on humidity and moisture has been huge uh, with these because. Uh, okay, they, yeah. Yeah, they have to have individual um I guess HVAC units, dehumidifiers, that type of thing to 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 maximize it. Uh, we've I've been I've walked into a cabin where the ceiling had fallen into a pool because there was too much it, it was out of balance and the moisture had gotten up into the ceiling and <laughs> the drywall had fallen into the pool. So uh, I, I guess the craziest thing I've seen is I was probably about two weeks from that in one of my units. It was a down period of. Um, rental and I had gotten some kind of notice that the, the AC unit wasn't working properly. And so yeah. I walk in and it was in the winter. And so the cold air had mixed with the, the steam from the, uh, in the humidity and it basically looked like a sauna in there. Um, oh my. yeah. So that, that is a, a something to, to monitor. Um, the, the pool units will get you more renters. Um, yeah. the, the downside of that is some of your bills will be higher. Okay. Um, uh, I've also been in the neighborhood where I've seen a bear uh, yeah. walking down the street. That was interesting. Uh, they uh, typically they're just you know looking for the trash. So all yeah. the units have these massive uh, bear cages for your trash cans. I actually had one client that uh, called me and we had to do a uh, comp claim on his car because I think kids uh, had left a door cracked on his car and you know their kids snacks everywhere and the bear crawled in and clawed up the inside of the car looking for food. So. I believe it. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I mean, we're going to switch gears here a little bit on some respects here, but any professional personal goals that you're kind of working on in this new year? Well, I have a number of goals, just kind of my, my day job that I'm doing and um, just serve people yeah. in Lexington. But um, yeah, you know, really, uh, 
for some, you know, COVID's been great. You've been able to stay with your personal fitness stuff. I've kind of gone downhill during COVID yeah. uh, with personal fitness stuff. So sure. my, my goals are uh, really about getting back on track. On I, was, I was never big on personal fitness. And finally <laughs> in COVID, I was the one that kind of actually started doing something. I bought a row machine. I'd never oh. rode in my life. And I was like, my wife was like, you're never going to use that thing. And I was like, well, I'm just going to commit. And so I just bought it. And uh, I was like, you can sit there and do strength building and cardio, and I can watch a TV show or something at the same time. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So I've been sticking with it. I'm pretty proud of myself good. in that respect. That's good, yeah. And as a father, you know, it's like if, you don't, if you're not active in something, then it's it's definitely probably going down here. <laughs> yeah, I, my, my kids, I've, I've got a 16-year-old that is diligent at, at her personal fitness and yeah. stuff. So she drags me to the gym there you go. and kind of puts me to shame. There you go. Uh, so. Anything you all watch on TV that's good right now? Yeah, so I've got a daughter that's really into the Marvel universe, yeah. and so uh, we watch. Uh, I guess it's uh, Mandalorian and yeah. Boba Fett and oh, yeah. all that. Uh, I I also saw uh, Cobra Kai and got me nostalgic about eighties movies. Uh, I, I so, love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, if you guys were going on date night, where uh, where are you all going here? Area. Well, my wife loves Chinese food, uh, okay. so we end up at P.F. Chang's a lot. Yep. Uh, and anytime we can get that food. I love good barbecue, uh, so if I can hit that in the summertime. What's your especially. favorite barbecue place here? Oh, gosh. I, really, the barbecue, I'm going to put a plug out there for okay. a friend of mine uh, that does it, the guy I work with, David Cozart. He owns a business called Smoke Daddy's, and uh he makes some of the best. That's that's the best barbecue in town. Is I've that a had. location or is it catered? No, it's, it's kind of catered, uh, special events, that okay. type of thing. But um, other than that, I'll, I'll, Blue Door is good. Yeah, uh, but a lot of good barbecue out there. What was your first car you owned? Nineteen eighty-seven Ford Ranger Long Bed. <laughs> you still have it, or wish uh, you had it? No, it was it was a terrible. <laughs> to do. Uh, there we go. The favorite car I ever had was the one right after that, which was uh, a 1988 uh, Nissan Pathfinder. Yeah. Uh, it was a manual shift. I loved that vehicle. Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, any passing thoughts or if you if anybody wanted to reach out to you to kind of have any uh, interest in the Gatlinburg area or whatnot or just to connect yeah. with you? I mean, you well, know. yeah. You're welcome to contact me anytime. My my email is my name, Damon Mazza, M-A-Z-Z-A, at gmail.com. Uh, you're welcome to call me on, on my phone, 859-447-4607. I'm happy to uh, talk over, whether it's uh, these short-term rentals, cabins, uh, whatever you need, and I'm happy to help. Or even more about the Lexington Leadership Foundation, which yeah. is doing a lot of good work in, uh, in and around the city. So, Damon, thanks so much for your time today. and appreciate you coming to join us here on the show. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you love it. Uh, give us a thumbs up. We look forward to having everyone join us next week on another awesome episode of the Keys to Commonwealth podcast. Damon, thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks. To learn more about this podcast, visit our page at keystothecommonwealth.com. To connect with Landry regarding insuring your investment portfolio, email Landry at novainsurancegroup.com or call 859-687-2004.